Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in hour number two of the program. And this is going to be a very packed hour. We've got a lot to discuss because joining us on the line throughout the hour, we'll have City Council President Linda Morad in the first half of the program, the first half of the hour, we'll be joined by her and Councilor-at-Large Shane Burgo. We can talk about some of these motions last night regarding housing. And then in the second half, we'll be joined by her and Councilor-at-Large Brian Gomes to talk more about some of the issues in last night's meeting. So let's go to the phones. Uh, Good morning, Councilors. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Tim. Thanks for having us. Oh, thanks. Thanks for joining us. And this has been a topic that obviously has been something people have been discussing here all week long. The um, the idea of, you know, first of all, just needing to do something about the housing issue. And uh, we've heard from folks on both sides, Councillor Burgo, about your proposed ballot question here. It now it it has passed. It will go on the ballot. Uh, but let me just ask you first. Well, wait, wait one minute, Tim. That's uh, let's step back one second. Sure. Um, it's passed yep. through the council, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that was a 9-1 vote. Um, but, however, as everything that happens within the city council, it has now moved into the mayor's office uh, for his consideration. I'm expecting that um, there will be a veto on this item and the other two items that we'll talk about um, later on in the program of this item and the other two as well. So I just want to be sure we're all comfortable with the fact that we've moved it along, and I'm proud to have sponsored that along with Councilor Burgo. But there is another step now, and we'll see in the next 10 days where that goes. Sure, but to clarify, you can override that veto to put it on the ballot. That's correct, and we will come back to the council. It would there's a technical term called spread on, be spread on the records that would happen at the next meeting on the 23rd and then the following meeting in April I don't know the date off the top of my head uh, the council would then take a vote to either accept the veto and you know take no further action or to override the veto you are correct well, I just I want to ask the question because I know, Councillor Burgo, you've studied a lot of this, uh, both with the home group and with this coalition you put together to talk about this issue. There's a lot of reaction from folks who say that just even the discussion of this is going to get landlords to start raising the rents on people uh, in reaction to this. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on people who are concerned about that. Yeah, so it's definitely a concern that I've considered, especially I'm sure there are many unintended consequences that might come about if we were to um, actually go through with a rent stabilization plan. Uh, But what I say to those people is 
that's what's already happening. There's already price gouging happening. Uh, I believe Council Pro last night shared a story of a tenant that he spoke to where the rent went up 120 percent. Um, I have many stories of people going up 100 percent, doubling, um, if not more. So it's just the, the idea that you know, just the t- talk of it's going to raise it up. I can't imagine how it can go up even more than 100 percent. Right. And and it's not just. Um, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talking about. It just being the seniors, but it's not just the seniors. It's it's young families who are just starting out who don't have the deposit in order to, you know, a down payment to make a uh, purchase. It's also the fact that housing prices have just gone through the roof, so those families at this point aren't able to purchase a new property. So it covers all segments of our, our, our constituency. Everybody is experiencing uh, these types of changes, and it's unaffordable. And, and yeah, and to, and to expand on that, you know, I think people misunderstand that the largest population of unhoused here in New Bedford are our children, our students. Uh, the the number of students that are unhoused, and, and by that, you know, a lot of people think of the face of homelessness as someone sleeping on a park bench. Uh, but there are many of our families that are couch hopping or displaced because they can't afford the rents that we currently have. And, and, and I think people are losing sight of the fact, too, that, and, and from what I understand, there were some people that uh, went to the meeting last night on, on behalf of the landlords or, or trying to, you know, represent the landlords in this because they felt like they haven't had a voice in this yet. But it's important to note that this, this discussion is only to get the question on the ballot to take the temperature of the city to see how they feel about this possible issue. Correct. And that's why I wanted to do the ballot, because it was important to, to hear from the people. And, you know, I had a related motion as well uh, that followed this vote where we'll have public hearings on it. And that's always been the plan. I, I've never had the idea of, you know, similar to Boston, they actually have sent in their home rule petition. That is not what this is. We are not at that step yet. This is simply just to check with the people of New Bedford if this is something that they even want to pursue. So I I welcome the criticism. I welcome the opponents of this, uh, you know, measure, because that's what it was meant to do, was to create the conversation around it, because we weren't talking about it, and it's important that we begin the discussion, not only for the community at large, but with the landlord associations and develop and everyone that's going to be affected by it. And, and, obviously- and, to add, yeah, Sorry, and to add to that, though, this is just one step in the process. I mean, there, this is going to be a long, um, well-thought-out process. This is just one tool that we're trying to use where we're doing what it is we're supposed to do. We're listening to the residents of the city of New Bedford. And we get calls all the time, Tim. All 11 of us get calls all the time on a regular basis. But this this puts it in front of everybody who goes to the ballot box in November. We expect that there will be a large turnout this year, this item and the other two items, because it is a citywide election. And we'll be able to take get the opinion of the people who are casting their ballots in the city of New Bedford. And, and Councillor Burgo, I would assume that if, if going forward, if the city votes that, yes, we would like to see some sort of rent stabilization, and when, when, the, when that discussion begins about what that would be and how that would work, I would assume landlords would be part of that discussion going forward. As you said, you know, you would have public of hearings, course. but also you'd be talking with them behind the scenes as well. Yes, of course. As I mentioned before, you know, we talked about for the home group, uh, which stands for Housing Options for Momentum and Equity. One of the biggest driving forces behind, you know, partnering with Carl Adams from TACA to create this home group was to create a community forum where we could bring all of those partners together. So we now already have the mechanism there to begin those discussions if it's something that 
the people of New Bedford vote for. And there's there's also been questions about, um, you, you know, would this be something, and I know this is early stages, so this hasn't even come up yet, I'm sure, but the, you know, the landlord's looking for reassurances where if they would be capped on how much they can raise rent, is it possible that they could be capped as well and, and have that assurance of a cap on how much some of their rates could go up, some of their, their water or sewer or some of their, their property taxes? Yes. Well, as, oh, sorry, go ahead, Linda. No, go ahead, I was just going to say, uh, you're exactly right, Tim. These are all discussions that we can definitely have. Um, and, I, and again, as Linda kept pointing out, that this is the first step in many steps along the way. That we will. This is not something I look to rush. Um, my intention is to have a broad discussion and a really in-depth one where we see all the factors of what we could do to have the least amount of impact for everyone here in New Bedford. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, we've had these conversations before about capping property tax and or uh, sewer and water utility taxes. Uh, we've, we've had conversations about seniors having abilities to uh, volunteer in the city and reduce their tax burden by volunteering those hours for duties that are needed. I believe all those conversations should be on the board, should be on the uh, table for discussion, including the possibility of controlling the way we are spending money uh, in the city of New Bedford, which is what the ultimate cause of raising real estate taxes are. And, and as discussed earlier, like this isn't the only motion last night, the only discussion last night on being able to help people with housing issues. Uh, the mayor, of course, was looking to get some ARPA money approved toward putting toward homelessness and uh, and toward some of some of these housing problems. So it really does seem, though, like it is coming to a head and that it is time to really get the ball moving one way or the other in trying to make some of these things happen. Yes, I, I'm glad to see the $3 million um, that the, the mayor has put towards uh, housing initiatives. Um, you know, it, it's one of the things that I talked about a lot when we were dealing with the ARPA money, the American Rescue Plan Act funds. Um, I, I'd like to see a lot more go into our housing initiatives. I feel that some of the funds that we have allocated for uh, different areas, whether it's you know, shelter beds or uh, uh, nonprofit groups that are helping uh, the unhoused is really just managing uh, homelessness as opposed to ending it. So that's what I'm hoping that we can continue to work on, especially with some of the other motions that I had last night in regards to our accessory dwelling units, which I've spoken about on WBSM previously, um, or even discussing uh, different anti-displacement policies that we could enact around the new South Coast rail areas that we have or will and have. And there's a, you know, there was the $66 million that came into the city. Um, I don't know what Councilor Burgos' uh, opinion is on that, but my opinion is that the, that money was not uh, equitably distributed among categories uh, that would actually help the residents of the city, whether it be homelessness or infrastructure, reduction of utilities, uh, charges, et cetera. There's also another, I believe it's $20 million that's being managed uh, by the county commissioners that is targeted for New Bedford, 17 to $20 million. We have not taken a lot of that money uh, in the city of New Bedford at this point in time. And now there's this $3 million that um, I'm happy to see moved quickly, uh, thanks to Josh Amaral, the new director of uh, community economic development, and his partners that have really been forcing this issue on the administration uh, to accept these funds and to move forward. Uh, with accepting the money so we can begin the process of at least 
distributing this money in the city. Well, one of the other criticisms that I've seen pop up of the rent stabilization plan, Councillor Burgo, is that, you know, where they've tried this before, it hasn't worked. And I don't know, first of all, that that's necessarily true. I don't know if that's been, you know, across the board true. But also, just because it hasn't worked in the past doesn't mean that uh, in New Bedford, they can't, you can't find a way to make it work. Yeah, and, and most of the articles that people have shared with me um, that to combat this idea are all examples of rent control. And I know people keep telling me, oh, well, it's just semantics. It's just, you know, it's the same thing, rent stabilization, rent control. And they're vastly different when it comes down to when we talk about new development. And the intention that I have with rent stabilization is if we could have new development come in and they can set the rent to whichever, you know, whether it's an affordable housing unit or market rate or in other terms they might use as workforce housing, they, that landlord, when they create a new housing structure, they would be exempt in a sense because they are they can set the rent starting but it's once you create a lease with someone moving forward year to year is when we the rent stabilization would kick in so this is why it's a huge difference from rent control where these other towns that have tried it see uh, a decrease in development this is why i would not support rent control because we need to have that new development as we talked about one of the biggest reasons our uh, rent increases are happening is because of the lack of supply so rent control that uh, keep you know people keep using interchangeably rent stabilization is a hindrance to new development, which is why I don't support it, and that's why I want people to really understand the two differences between the two policies. What, and-, and I want to, I'd like to add briefly that it was say, stated several times on the council floor last night that we have really good landlords in the city of New Bedford. Yes. We have people who are doing the right thing with their tenants. Uh, this will not affect those people. We are trying to make sure in any way possible that we level the playing field and that we have this discussion with uh, our constituency and with the people that own property in the city of New Bedford so that we can continue to offer good, affordable housing to the working families in New Bedford. Yeah, and, and, and I would assume, too, that there may be even a mechanism in place where uh, maybe landlords could apply for like, – you had thrown out the number 30% with Marcus the other night, Councilor Burgo, so I'll just use that number. But maybe somebody mm-hmm. had some un, unexpected repairs that they had to make and they completely renovated the building or something. There's some sort of uh, mitigating factor that makes them say, I need to actually raise it more this year to that. Would there be a waiver process they could apply for to, to maybe be allowed that time to be able to go higher than whatever that, that cap would be? There could be. And this goes back again to the fact that this is just the first step in a long process of discussions that we can have. Uh, there's many factors that we can put in place uh, to help landlords to make sure that this transition is goes off, you know, comfortably for everyone. Um, Again, uh, I want to reiterate this ballot measure is not an end-all be-all, and it's really just beginning those conversations so questions like that can be answered down the line. And, and Council President Moran, I got a question um, for something that you had said earlier uh, that you said you expect the mayor to to veto this. Have you heard from him? Because he hasn't responded to any of our requests for comment on it, so I wasn't sure if you had discussions with him on it. I have not heard from him, but um, I would. This is my assumption, my opinion. We'll see if it comes to fruition. Uh, that these three items are not items that this administration supports, and I would imagine that uh, we would see three vetoes that will come back at this point in time for consideration. So we'll see if I'm right. 
Yeah, and, and what I'll say to that, too, is, and I'll take ownership on this, is I know there's been criticism about me not reaching out to the mayor myself uh, to have this discussion, but I have the same assumption uh, that Councilor Morad has uh, that he, this is not something he would be interested in. And I know that because of conversations I've had with key players in his administration that know him well. So, and that comes to a lot of different factors. Um, I think that for me, um, I definitely do plan on speaking with the mayor. He's out of town currently, um, but when he does return, I do plan on speaking with him about uh, this. And, and I think one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to make sure we pushed for a ballot measure was because I felt that the political will wasn't there and that the people of New Bedford are going to be able to answer or speak to what they are looking for in their um, politicians and their elected officials. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Councilor Burgo, for joining us. i got to take a break. I know Council President Morad will be with us on the other side of the break with Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. But thank you, Councilor Burgo, for keeping us uh, informed on this. And we look forward to having more discussions with you as it as it moves forward. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And- and, and I'll talk to you in a few moments, Council yeah. President Morad. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I do have to take a break, though. Uh, when we come back on the other side, it will be uh, Council President Morad with Council at Large Brian Gomes. We'll talk about some of these other things that were proposed last night. Ballot questions that you will be answering in the November election, including whether or not you want to return to a two-year term for the mayor. And uh, if you want to see the Community Preservation Act funds taken off your tax bill. So let's get into all of that when we come back. We're just going to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. He's a rockstar. By New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And now joining her is Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. So uh, good morning, Councilor Gomes. Thanks for joining in the conversation. Good morning, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we we do have a lot to discuss uh, from last night's meeting, but I want to bring up uh, your motion to have a a ballot question about if the the citizens would like to see the mayoral term go from a four-year back to a two-year term. That's correct. It's a non-binding question, getting an opinion from the people of the city who have, this has been a uh, discussion for some time. Um, I thought that I would put it on the ballot and... um, have the people make the decision. The people made the choice. Uh, I think when they made the choice, they were unaware of uh, what the circumstances would be on a a longer mayoral term. Um, This has actually um, took away from the municipal elections where it would be the mayor, council at large, school committee, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Kind of took a little steam out of that. Uh, The mayor's race used to be a, a Speaking of um, moving um, that election, uh, not that the councillors or ward councillor couldn't make a, a, a strong run and a, have a, a, a very good race going to draw out people, but that's the reason that this will be on a ballot. We'll let the people make the choice, and if it comes back in the affirmative, we'll do the action that we have to. And, and, and I think people will look at it and say, well, why now? Why are they bringing this question up? But as you pointed out, it's a question that never really went away. Even when the measure to make it a four-year term passed, there was, the, the conversation never stopped from people that wanted to see it going back to a two-year term. It's been ongoing. That's correct. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I believe that... Uh, um, go ahead, Councilor. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Councilor Gomes. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to say also is, you know, um, at this time... Um, a lot going on in the city. Um, when we get to the point where I have a vibrant New Bedford and um, things happening everywhere around this city, um, we'll look at a four-year mayoral term. Um, that's not happening right now. The people should have that choice to uh, elect the mayor every two years. 
Yeah, and I, I would just wanted to support Council Goom's comments, Tim, uh, this and yours. This is a discussion that's been going on since since the change happened. Uh, people did not really support this, if you will, and have been talking about it on a regular basis. So here we are again. We're in an election year, and this is simply a question being asked to the residents of the city of New Bedford uh, with using the ballot to determine the will of the people that elect the uh, mayor, the school committee, and the city council and the assessors in the city of New Bedford. And, and, and Council President Morad, if, if the voters do vote in the affirmative, as as, uh, as Councilor Gomes said, it's non-binding, but that would start the process for this, which would require another change to the charter. That's correct. Yep. And again, um, just like we had the conversation in the last half hour, and I'm sure we'll have in a minute, about the Community Preservation Act issue, uh, this is asking the people what they want to do. Once the decision is made, there will be steps that need to be taken on behalf of the city government to make that move forward. And obviously, with there being a four-year term on the ballot at the same time as the question, it would not affect whoever would be winning that position uh, in November. Uh, correct. So correct. It, it, would, it would affect the term. Let's see, that term would start in 24, correct? So it would affect the term in 28. So I want to mention then, too, uh, you, you had mentioned the CPA uh, possible repealing that. Can you give us kind of an idea of the mindset behind that? Because I know that, you know, we're talking in the first half of this hour about some housing issues. I know that CPA money is put toward housing as one as one of the many things that it goes into. That's correct. There's many things that go into the CPA allocation. But as I said last night, and as I'll continue to say whenever anyone asks me, uh, each year when people get their tax bill, and this appears on your the tax bill that comes as your Christmas present at the end of the year for the third and fourth quarter of a fiscal year, there's an appropriation for um, CPA surcharge is what it says. And I often get calls from people who the original call is to, you know, be concerned about the raise in their taxes. But since the CPA is a percentage of your tax, as years have gone by and the taxes have increased dramatically in this administration, so has that CPA surcharge. And it doesn't really, you know, some people say, well, it's only a few dollars, but it's a few dollars in addition to a few other dollars and it's addition to a few other dollars. And I oftentimes in my conversations explain to people what the CPA is for, uh, what the monies are being spent for, et cetera. I don't think that people are indicating that they don't think that the CPA program uh, is a nice program and that we're supporting different agencies and different initiatives in our city. But they're concerned about the extra money that's coming out of their ta- out of their pocket to fund those things in addition to their taxes. So um, I listen to the people that call me, and I think my colleagues do as well, and last night, I put this on the agenda per the way that it was originally voted, which was per the way legal counsel recommended that it be placed there uh, to have the council approve that the CPA could be refund, uh, re- repealed and then put it on the ballot to see whether the constituency wants it that way as well. Uh, my colleagues were not comfortable with uh, putting their name on the CPA uh, uh, reversal without hearing from the people in the city of New Bedford. I certainly respect that. And so I withdrew the second motion and put a substitute motion in that simply did what the other two motions did, put a non-binding advisory pet question on the ballot, and we'll see what the people in the city of New Bedford come back and say. And like the other two items, if the people in the city of New Bedford come back 
and overwhelmingly say that they want the CPA re- repealed, then the council will have to take the steps necessary uh, to move forward. Would it be legal? I don't know. You you might know better than I do. Would it be legal to make that an optional payment for people to make, kind of like how you can donate to the presidential campaigns on your taxes? I don't know the question to that. I'm happy to you know to explore that. We'll see what comes back. I mean, it may be that the people that call me are not the majority of the people in the city of New Bedford, and the vote will come back in November, and we'll be able to determine whether we should explore different options like that or whether we need to begin the process to repeal it. Yeah, because, I mean, in a way, isn't it kind of leaving some, some free money on the table because this, the Commonwealth's going to match what it is that, that uh, the, the citizens put up? Yep. Um, when this originally started, obviously, the communities that were um, participating in the Community Preservation Act were far and few between. Uh, I think Dartmouth was, in our area, one of the communities that was gun ho from day one. But now more communities are involved, and so the appropriation is is smaller now to the various communities. So, uh, you know, maybe there's another conversation, too, again, whether to see where this goes, whether the legislature would support trying to increase that pot uh, so that additional community uh, communities that are involved in it can continue to get robust funds from it. And, you know, certainly I recognize that some of these dollars are leveraged. I'm, I'm not uh, ignorant to that fact. I've heard from both sides as it relates to that. But again, um, I represent the people in the city of New Bedford, and my telephone calls have been overwhelmingly, I don't want to pay for that. All right. And I'm just thinking of all the different projects that have come before the council uh, to be voted on. And, uh, you, you know, you've been allocating this money uh, over the years. In fact, there were just some recent allocations for using CPA funds. So um, I just want everybody to kind of understand what that is and, and how that works. And with that in mind, I have a question about actually the language of the, of, of the way that it's worded uh, to be put on the ballot. Because I believe you said a few moments ago that the, the council for the city council, uh, David Garatowski, recommended this language as, as how to put it on the ballot. No. The, he, well, I obviously talk to legal counsel whenever we do anything. That's why we pay legal counsel. But the way it was originally on the ballot to revoke it was the same way it was originally on the ballot to approve it. The legislation says that the governing body, which is the city council, needs to recommend that it be placed on the ballot. So that's how it was originally on on the ballot so that I could see I followed the way it was originally uh, requested in the city of New Bedford back in 2013, and I followed that. So as I said, when my colleague said not comfortable putting my name on that, I, I haven't heard from enough people. So then that's when I said, okay, fine, let's do it the way my colleagues are doing the housing issue and the mayoral term issue, and let's put it on as a non-binding uh, kind of listening question, which is where it is now. And yes, there are many programs in uh, that have been funded by the CPA over the years uh, that I have supported. There have been some that I have not supported, and uh, I think that's my job. The way the CPA is working, there is a advisory committee of members of some of our boards and commissions and some private citizens, all um, recommended by the administration and confirmed by the council. They serve, I believe they serve three-year terms. I don't know off the top of my head if that's true, but I believe they serve three-year terms. And they come in front of us for uh, for confirmation. And there are some very good, hardworking, dedicated people who really make uh, conscientious decisions about how money is allocated. Uh, some of them are concerned, as some of my colleagues are, about their not having been you know, equal distribution of those funds across the city. 
unfortunately, not every organization is applying for these, and there are a lot of small, uh, good projects that unfortunately don't have the technical skills uh, to apply correctly for these types of items. And there was some conversation about doing some community outreach as well to those organizations so more people are applying for Community Preservation Act funds. Yeah, I, I just ask about the language because let me just read the way that it is. Shall the city of New Bedford revoke the acceptance of sections 3 to 7 inclusive of chapter 44B of the general laws as revoked by its legislative body, a summary of which appears below? It, it, I mean, I just think that if it, the question is to re repeal the Community Preservation Act, that term Community Preservation Act should be in the question. Yeah, but it was, again, <laughs> that's the way it was originally put forward. And that's why underneath the um, underneath the ballot question, when it was originally on the ballot, and when we if we place this on the ballot eventually, there will be a description like you see often on ballots as to what the item is. But that's how the legislature passed the ability for the Community Preservation Act to be placed on the ballot, and that's basically what was happening here as well. The legislative body was following the recommendations of how the act was originally put forward. So the lesson learned here, voters, is read the whole thing. Don't just yeah. go by the question at the top. Uh, yeah. Well, as I said, there will be a description. There, even even in the advisory item here, if you could see the rest of the uh, motion, which I guess maybe you can't, uh, it indicates that there's a description as to what the item is that follows the legal, the legal beagle terminology. Uh, Councillor Gomes, I want to get your take because we were talking before in the first half of the hour about some of the housing issues. I just want to get your take on those because uh, obviously this is an issue that is coming to a head here in the city. People are coming very close to not being able to remain in their homes and, and something has to be done. So just your thoughts on, on the motion that was presented about rent stabilization and, and some of these other motions as well. As you know, I was a co-sponsor of that motion last night and um uh, we, I, I never thought we would be at the point where we would uh, have to discuss this, but uh, there's many facets, as I said last night, that intertwine with this, um, the increase in costs and everything that has come to the point where we're raising the rents. Um, we've heard from our constituency. I've heard heartbreaking stories, just as many of my colleagues are. Um, you know, uh, people, uh, I'll give you an example. A lady li lives on uh, Myrtle Street. She's been there for 20-something years. Um She's paying about $800 a month for rent. Um, her landlord comes to her and tells her that the land, the rent will be going up to 1400 He will be increasing that by 100 um, every month. Um, uh, another um, mom on Davis Street, um, second floor apartment, handicapped child uh, and, and a daughter um, in the same situation where the rents have been increased and they don't know where they're going to get the money from. I'm concerned about this due to the fact that um, uh, we have a, 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 a elderly population in this city that uh, rents, they are being um, gouged by everything, even within the um, confines of where they live, may be in private sector or, or public sector of, of other charges and things like this. We um, have to take a look at this. Um, there, there's a great concern. Um, I don't want to see any elderly person uh, going without or, or being um, uh, homeless uh, because of, of, of rent or of being in that situation. This is why we have to take a look at this. Um, I never thought that I would talk about rent control because originally, as I made the statement, I did not support rent control. And this is not rent control. Um, I, I think sometimes uh, it's getting mixed up. But as it was explained to me when it was uh, going to be proposed by Councilor Burgo, rent stabilization. And as it's been said by the council president earlier today, 
to all the good land laws and all that, all this stuff that's going on that we're, we're going to drive people out. And we're not, this is not for them. We have some great landlords in this city that provide great housing. They do not price gouge. Um, many landlords, if you talk to them, and I talk to my constituency, some people are still paying that five fifty, six and a quarter rent, and the landlords like it like that. They have good tenants. They keep their places clean. They are assisting them with it, be snow removal, whatever. Um, th- th- those are not the landlords that we're going after, that this is going after. This is going after those that have chosen at this time to really um, go after um, the public and, and, and charge an unbelievable amount of rent money for rent while they still have to have living um, conditions such as food and all them things to go along with it. Yeah, and as, as you mentioned, it's, you know, there are, I think, a majority of landlords who are probably trying to do it the right way because why would they want to lose a good person that's in the home? Why would they want to lose somebody that is a good tenant? And I think that's how many part times of have, How many times have you talked to someone and then and you, you say, uh, uh, they're having a discussion with you and you say, uh, could you, are you going to go up on the rent? Um, the landlord and the landlord says, no, I'm not going. I, I try not to go up on the rent. I've got good tenants. I get my rent. I have no problems. Everything is uh, A-OK. I'm, I, I want to try not to do that to people. And I, I, they're in a situation, some landlords, where right now um, you would be increase of water, increase in taxes. Everything is hitting everybody at once. And everything has not been stabilizing to, to say that this is an even keel. I'm making more money. I can afford this rent. And it goes on and on. We're just yeah. trying to do our best to do something that, um, um, that assists the people of this city uh, in New Bedford while we continue to try to thrive to be the city that we are. Yep. And, you know, uh, I think we've, we've covered those issues now. I think you, you understand what we're trying to do. Hopefully your listeners do as well. We're trying to gauge on all three items the feeling of the people who live in the city of New Bedford and how better way to do that than to place the items on a upcoming municipal election ballot, which will certainly have a large turnout because of you're going to have school committee, you have assessors, city council, and mayor on it. And uh, I think this is a perfect way for us to gauge broad opinion from the people that live in the city. And uh, Tim, we did do some other stuff last night too, actually. Yeah. Well, I want <laughs> yeah, we had a- Sorry, go ahead. I, I do have something I want to ask Councillor Gomes about, but go ahead. No, go ahead. Yep. Well, I, w- I want to ask about the um, the twenty thousand dollars that was approved for the FY twenty four budget for assisting neighborhoods united and, and crime watch groups. And so, how this twenty thousand dollars? How do you want to be able to institute that in helping these neighborhood groups um, help battle crime? I want to uh, institute it on helping these groups to um, be able to get printing mailing. At one time in the city of New Bedford, a, the mayors had a stipend within their budget that assisted um, the crime watch groups. And uh, I want to bring that back. And um, I actually want to make this a little bigger. I'm asking for 20000 I want to hold some um, family outing fun days throughout the city from Hazelwood Park to Brooklyn Park to um, Monty's Park, all of them, um, to bring people together, um, not only to um, provide uh, information on services that are available, um, give the police um, an opportunity to engage in every community across the city, give them an opportunity to recruit, um, talk to the people of their neighborhoods, and um, again, have some fun days in, in the city, get some information out to the people, but more importantly, giving getting this money to the uh, people, some of them who have served us for so long um, on these crime watch groups, giving them some assistance 
so they can improve their numbers at their meetings and get the uh, public engaged um, in um, you are the eyes and ears of your neighborhood. Um, the police will be there when needed, but we need you also to be that eyes and ears to let them know what's going on in the neighborhood and give these crime uh, watch groups and, and um, the opportunity to um, be able to, um, you know, get their information out. And not only that, Tim, if you think about it, it's $20,000. There are six wards. It's not a lot of money. And as Councilor Gohm said, this was always in the mayoral budget. Um, this administration removed it, and I think it would be useful. I, I mean, I attended the Olympia Towers meeting yesterday representing the council. Uh, there were two people in attendance, and the issue here is that people don't know about this stuff. So we have to figure out a way to, you know, utilize some of these funds for to broadcast what we're doing and that we're trying to get our community involved. Um, it's important that the community gets involved. You saw what happened up at the Funzy, uh function the other night there was a, a young adult who saw something and said something we need to get that message out that's what these crime watch groups are do they bring people together they talk about issues in their neighborhood the police are present these are important uh, um, programs and uh, groups that are helping to contribute to the quality of life and the safety of the residents in the neighborhoods in our city it's not a lot of money when you consider the size of the budget and um, we, we didn't vote to put that in. We can't add money to the budget. But we're requesting that the administration add this line item this year so that we can utilize these funds to, again, begin to have these robust groups across our city. Absolutely. And if I just may add, mm-hmm. if I just may add, um, um, I agree with the city council president. Uh, we are just trying to bring some people together, and m- more importantly, um, yeah, get the, um, the police engaged with the communities, give the communities an opportunity to do the work uh, that they continue to do throughout the city, and um, just bringing people together. And uh, the, as we call it a fun day. We're doing more than a fun day. Information to people, services that are available, and more importantly interacting the public with our police department because if i have any goal is to get our young people and people to understand that um the police officers 99 percent of them out there come to work each and every day to serve you and that's what they want to do is serve you protect you protect our city and we have to be uh, uh, an engaging force along with them in every community yeah. And Tim, I, you know, I don't know what else you have on your schedule. I know you have to go to break in a couple of minutes. I have a, yeah, I have about two minutes, just, but anything you want to bring up, feel free. Yeah, I just want to thank the residents that came out last night. You know, we oftentimes have people in our council chamber who come and listen to the debate. Uh, it was nice to see many of them from both sides of these issues there last night. There were people regarding the Community Preservation Act. There were people regarding the Housing Act. Um, I don't know if there were people specifically for the mayoral term, but they were there. It was wonderful to have them in the chamber. Uh, all of them were listening respectfully. Um, you know, there was no issues with people screaming or yelling uh, regarding the councillor's debate on these issues. But, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't um, stand up and, first of all, thank the, the police officer that was there. We now have to have a police officer come to every meeting because of this disruptive behavior of a couple of people that do come to the meetings and it's really a shame and i i encourage you to talk to your reporter who was with us last night adam bass uh talk to the representative from um the new bedford light or the standard times who were there there was another gentleman there last night as well from one of the local radio stations um and but it's just um it's just too bad that we have to put up with this kind of you know rabble rousing this 
humiliating, intimidating, and bullying kind of uh, behavior of a couple of people who come to the chamber. Uh, this is the people's house, as Council Gomes says all the time. We're trying to conduct business and to have these types of distractions. It's really unfortunate. And uh, I heard a caller earlier today when I was listening to you uh, before the news at the 10 o'clock break. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't thank the police officer that was there last night who tried to control what was going on and also the, the good people that were in the chamber. There was actually a woman there last night, Tim. I wish she'd call your program. She wouldn't leave after the meeting. She, she was a handicapped woman. I was trying to get her to assist her to the elevator. She wouldn't leave. She kept telling us, I'm afraid. I don't want to go out there. I'm afraid. That shouldn't be how the people... Say it like it is. Say it like it is, Madam President. Say it like it is. She was frightened by the actions of individuals, of what they were doing within the city council chambers last night. The screaming, the yelling, the anger. The anger is is phenomenal, and that's what she was afraid of. And it wasn't only her. that We had many elderly people in that room that expressed their concern about what was going on. Some of them there for the first time to see a, a, um, a city council meeting who said that it was one of the best things that she ever did. And uh, she was 80-something years old. And as I said to the president uh, when we were having a discussion earlier today, um, I, I invited her to come back. This is the people's house and bring her neighbors. And the people's house should not be disrupted by some of the actions that are going on within the city council that are even following up on your radio station. It, 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 it's just putting a, a, a constraint on um, getting things done for Times last night, the president has to recess the meeting so that we can gain control within the building, getting people involved that had nothing to do with it. Why isn't this person sitting down? There's rules and regs that um, uh, are in that city council. We're going to take a look at um, um, uh, making them rules stronger um, so that um, uh, the president or the committee chairman has the ability to, as I've always said, it's the people's house. And I'm one of the, I'm the first to call it the people's house. At least I, I know in the city and I hear the term used all the time now across the country. It, you're, you're done right. It is the people's house that the people are able to come there and, and, and see us and do our work, but not have to put up with some of the nonsense and some of the, um, the nonsense that we are putting up with some of the insulting things that are happening and it continues to happen. And, and I know I just don't think it's fair. And, uh, I've been trying to address it. You gave me the courtesy of coming on your station yesterday to just a couple of, address a couple of issues um, that are going on. And it, um, again, that's not, that's not what the People's House is all about. The People's House is all about to come see your representation, express yourself um, in any uh, in any way that is um, cordial, uh, professional, or whatever. But to disrupt the building, we're going to do something about it because it's not going to continue. And the funniest thing. Neither one of these people are residents of the city of New Bedford. And I thank you for the opportunity. All right. I thank you yes. both. I am up against the final break. But yes, uh, yep. we, we will talk with you next week, Council President Morad. And yes, Council yes, Gomes yes, will talk yes, with you yes. in the future as well. Take care, both of you, and have a good weekend. You too. God bless Bye-bye. the city of New Bedford. Thank you, Tim. All right. We do have to take that final break. We'll be back in a few moments. If you think. All right. That's going to do it for the We'll talk more with you at 5-